the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm John. And I'm Adam. And today we have an album review for you. We're going back to the days of sort of the 90s acoustic-ish renaissance that kind of happened during then. There was sort of a singer-songwriter one. And out of that kind of came this band that didn't sound like anybody else. Yeah, they definitely have aspects that you'll get from other people, you know, some jam band qualities that maybe you'll get mm-hmm. from like a fish or other stuff. Um, but ultimately, there's a there's a, a, a funky, maybe jazzy at times, mm-hmm. but like uh, eclectic. And you're right, they nobody sounded like them. That's right. And we are talking about the Dave Matthews Band debut studio album, Under the Table, Dreaming, biggity baby. <laughs> I gotta say, I, that was, that's not even on this album. But anytime I hear Dave Matthews, my my mind immediately goes to biggity baby. I'm gonna, it's, I'm gonna say it a lot. Okay, thank you for the warning. Yeah. Uh, this is an album that I became very familiar with. I think I bought it right when it around the time that it came out. I remember when I first kind of found out about this band. Adam, do you? Um, it must have been either from Radio Play or uh, MTV or something like that. Or for some reason, I thought I thought this was one that our sister had, but it must have been your album that that uh, I heard it from yeah. um, as well. Because I, I remember it being in the house, and I remember the uh, the artwork, and just kind of reminded me this is not probably like you know one of the most played Dave Matthews Band albums that I've had, but uh, it's definitely one. Yeah, it's it's one that I absolutely do remember. I remember when I first heard about this band, I think it was on MTV and it was some sort of like special where they were like talking to the band about the album or okay. something like that. And I heard snippets of different songs and this was when their first single had come out, but it had not reached its popularity yet. They were still sort of trying to introduce the band to more listeners. Mm-hmm. And for some reason I thought, wow, that's a really cool sound. And I got a hold of the album somehow, um, bought it somewhere and fell in love with it. Okay. Now, I will say, it was a long time before I actually got into listening to the album as a whole. Mm. I very much was kind of picking up certain songs for a long time, and there was only probably about two or three songs off this album initially that I really listened to. Yeah, I would say I'm similar enough. Even kind of re-listening to it now, there was a lot of stuff that, like, maybe there was a hint of remembering, but more than anything, it was like, okay, those singles or the bigger stuff played, yeah, I absolutely remember that. And then the others, it's just kind of like, okay, I'm going to enjoy going on this ride that I, you know, haven't really heard. It's almost some new, new-ish music to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, this album, Under the Table and Dreaming, uh, is certified six times platinum in the U.S., so it's sold over six million copies. Um, and yeah, Dave Matthews definitely got pretty big after this one, and definitely their their next album. Uh, I did see them in concert once. I saw them hmm. at the Hollywood Bowl, and they played well. I enjoyed the music for sure. Mm-hmm. The thing I remember the most, though is the intense smell of weed that was all <laughs> over the, the entire concert venue. And it was even an outdoor venue, and it was just like, oh, my God, so much weed. <laughs> yeah, this uh, That is uh, one thing that kind of follows the Dave Matthews Band around. is sort of, as you mentioned, that sort of jam band quality mm-hmm. and the kind of culture that goes along with it. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. The album was released on September 27th, 1994. Uh, it was recorded at Bearsville Studios, which is kind of just uh, west of um, uh, it's just kind of west of Woodstock, New York. Okay, uh, where the famous uh, festival was, put out uh, on RCA Records, and was produced by a guy named Steve Lillywhite, who uh, produced a whole bunch of different bands. But I think it's probably most notable for producing. Most of U2's first few albums. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Boy, War. Um, nice. He also did How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb, which was one that kind of came out towards the end of my yeah. high school career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Hello, hello. It was also partially uh, mixed by a guy named Tom Lord Algae, who actually has a brother, Chris Lord Algae, who they were both very famous mixers okay. who've mixed a lot of stuff. And I also kind of want to shout out the uh, mastering engineer who mastered the album, 
um, who also did The Eagles Hotel California and Green Day's American Idiot. Okay. Yeah, both very big albums. Yep. Uh, the band itself is Dave Matthews, unsurprisingly. It's his band uh, on acoustic guitar and vocals. Stefan Lessard on bass, Carter Beaufort on drums, Leroy Moore on saxophone, and Boyd Tinsley on violin. Instruments we don't often have to shout out on uh, on these sort of personnel lists. No, but those last two, particularly the sax and the violin, and maybe say most, mostly even the sax, but those guys, to me, that's what makes the Dave Matthews sound. It's I agree. those guys. <laughs> I agree. It, it's kind of weird because it really seems like Dave Matthews went out and surrounded himself with like the most technically proficient sort of jazz fusion players he could find. Mm-hmm. To really elevate the sound, yeah, and it's weird. It's it's weird to think that you know, did he actually go looking for this, or did it kind of happen that way? I haven't watched too many documentaries on the beginning of the band. Um, I do know, and I believe that this is when it happened. I believe that at the time that they recorded the album, Boyle Tinsley, the violin player, wasn't an official member of the band yet. Okay. They just brought him in to play on the album, and I think they loved him so much that they so, yeah. just, they just kept him as part of the band. Yeah. Uh, and I can't remember. Maybe it was maybe it was even almost like a decade ago uh, when Leroy or Leroy yeah. passed away, and that was a big hit to the band because his sound became uh, such an important aspect. It was, and he did have... And, you know, it, saxophones... Wind instruments, they're not necessarily designed to have individual personality. I mean, there are wind players out there who are going to kill me for this, but (laughs) most of the time, like when you're hearing wind instruments, it's in a group and it's meant to be blended with other stuff. Mm -hmm. But I tell you what, uh, I don't know. Is it Leroy or Leroy? I I think it's Leroy. Okay, let's go. I could be wrong. Leroy Uh, Dragon. I was going to say more, but yeah, that's fine too. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, but he definitely had a sound like you could hear it, and you're like, you know what? That's him. That's definitely Leroy. Yeah. Leroy. Man, I'm not gonna well, know what Jordan's say. Well, there is another famous person who will pop up where the second you hear his style, you're <laughs> like, oh, that's him. I know you can pick him out more than anybody. Yes, which is funny because I think I was vaguely aware of that. You know what? I'm gonna save that for when we talk yeah, about okay. the song. Yeah. Um, the only other musician I will mention now um, is a guy named Tim Reynolds who also uh, played some a lot of the acoustic stuff, sort of doubled with Dave Matthews, and he became a big collaborator with Dave Matthews. I think at one point they actually put out a duet album that was just the two of them. Yeah, Dave Matthews and Ren. You're right. I do remember that being uh, And a pretty big album, too. I never bought it. I think it was a double album as well. Uh, kind of at the height of yep. uh, Matt, Dave Matthews' uh, popularity. I be- Actually, go I believe ahead. He, I believe, just kind of looking into it, Tim, Tim Reynolds has become like an official member of the band now. That's that's not surprising. It's kind yeah. of like, um, oh, what's that one guy who is part of... Uh, uh, he's part of the Foo Fighters, who was oh, uh, Pat, uh, Pat Schmier. Yeah, who, Pat Schmier, who, exactly. Who like, kind of became an, eventually an official member of Nirvana Yeah, uh, just from playing you know, playing with them at, at some point. If they, if they would have put out a fourth album, Pat Schmier would have been... Oh no! Yeah, in Nirvana. In, yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add before we jump into this album? No, I kind of jumped on it. I, I blew my load early on that one before, <laughs> before you got going. The platinum and, and the pot thing. That was about yeah. it. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to start off with a song called "The Best of What's Around." Hey, my friend, it seems your eyes are troubled, care to share. Your time with me Would you say you're feeling low And so a good idea Would be to get it off your mind I don't mind this as an opening song. Uh, my thought was, um, I'm not sure I like the positioning of this as the opening song. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it didn't kick off like I was expecting or wanting. Okay. Uh, now, the song itself, though, I enjoy. 
Yeah, it's a it's a it's a good song. To me, out of especially out of the ones in this album, it's a very good, maybe upper middle of the road mm-hmm. song. Not one that stands out to me, yeah. but it is a good introduction, I think, to the band. Okay. Um, you're kind of getting uh, everyone's flavor. Um, yeah, it's upbeat. It's um, yeah, you you are getting getting exactly the sound that you are expecting from from Dave Matthews. I mean, granted, this entire album. It sounds Dave Matthews. Yeah, it does. They're, they're not experimenting. I mean, this is their first. This is their studio album. This is right. their sorry, their first, their debut studio album. So, um, they're not trying to. I mean, their own sound is unique enough right now. Exactly. But you know, it's like maybe you know four or five albums in when you're like, okay, I want to start doing some other funky stuff. <laughs> not not now. So yeah, it is true. We do have to look at this with the eyes of having listened to it for the first time because this is <laughs> this is what the world was experiencing for the first time when they yeah. when they heard this album. Yeah, you can't go back and be like, oh, it just sounds so Dave Matthews. It was like, well, yeah, yeah. this is the first time <laughs> they really fucking blew it off the top, and yeah, and it's how it it works. Um, that sax sound synonymous with mm-hmm. with Dave Matthews, and um, man, I, I really do love how. Some of this stuff just kind of makes you makes you flow, makes you makes you kind of move and groove to it. I do, yeah. I love the way Dave Matthews crafts his songs. I love the way that everyone, all the other musicians, kind of uh, contribute to it. Um, one thing I often have complaints about is when things seem too busy in a song, like the drummers just seem to be doing too much, or the bass player seems to be doing too much. And I, I got to tell you, in this band. All of the musicians do too much, mm-hmm. and it works. It's one of the few bands I can yeah. say that about. Um, that things are are busy. If you listen to Carter Beaufort's drumming, and obviously as a drummer, I did tend to you know focus on that a lot. Uh, and he became a huge influence for tons of my you know friends and classmates when I was younger. Uh, because first of all, he was playing rhythms and beats or now they would call it beats we would just you know call it licks or whatever that we'd never heard before you know he was incorporating these uh these jazz licks and these Mm -hmm. funk licks and these things that we hadn't heard in pop music before it was really really fun and interesting i think yeah i agree so yeah i mean it's a it's an enjoyable song. I, I just think I think the way it starts off isn't the way I wanted the album to start off. And okay, like, that's fair. Oh, okay. The one thing, and I'll go ahead and say this now, the one thing, I love how Dave Matthews, I mentioned, crafts his songs. I like his melodies. I don't like that I can barely understand what he's saying. He kind of mumbles. Yeah, he's a bit of a mumbler. Um, you're right. And that does kind of lyrically kind of make it confusing about what he's talking about or what right. is exactly is this song about or another song about. Um, I did kind of look up some of the stuff and, and you know, the song that I saw, it's a nice little message, pretty much what the title says. It's making the best of, you know, what you can and yeah. your life and what's around it. But you're right. It is, it's not always the easiest understanding Dave Matthews. Yeah. The other thing I can, I can equate it to is especially in the early 90s to kind of mid 90s where this album would have come out you hear there's a there's a a mix style kind of called burying the vocals Mm -hmm. where you mix the vocals where they can like they can be heard but you're not pushing them out far enough where they're going to stick out where you can really clearly hear them and i think we are getting a little bit of this On, on top of the fact that the music is very busy between the licks that he plays on acoustic mm-hmm. guitar, because I tell you what, a lot of the times he isn't just like playing, you know, strumming chords. Mm-hmm. He's got these like riffs and stuff that he's playing underneath them, okay. which actually to me has always been very impressive the way he's able to play a lot of these licks. When I was younger and learning to play guitar, I tried learning some of them stuff and they're not easy. Okay. <laughs> they really weren't easy. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, let's move on to the next song, which was the first uh, single. Released by the band, and it was called What Would You Say? Down the hill fell Jack and Jill, and you came tumbling after. Because of original sin, rip away the tears. Drink a whole two happy years. You may find a lifetime's past you by. What would you say? I still love this song. It's a very enjoyable song. 
Um, you get a really cool uh, acoustic riff with this. And I, I think that's one of the things that makes Dave Matthews sound be unique is he's playing what you would think of as maybe electric guitar riffs mm-hmm. on the acoustic guitar, and it's making it kind of sound unique. On top of that, in my opinion, incredible saxophone solo oh, in yeah. the song. And the other guy we'll talk about, there's a harmonica throughout the song, and he gets a whole solo. And Adam, you were right. And you know what? When I was younger, I didn't know who it was. For some reason, I couldn't make the connection when I was younger. But one time, going back and listening to it, oh, you listen to it, and you're like, oh, that is John Popper from Blues Brothers. From Blues, I almost said Blues Brothers. Well, he uh, was from in Blues, Blues Brothers 2000. Okay. So, <laughs> so there you go. From, uh, from Blues Traveler. Yeah, yeah. As we kind of alluded to earlier, there is somebody who his style pops off. Pop, haha, popper, um, pops <laughs> yeah. off. He, no, no, I don't know any other harmonica player that sounds like him. No, definitely not. Like, you know, you kind of get that similar vibe sometimes with Hendrix. For me, more so Steve Ray Vaughan. Um, like in, uh, there's a, that David Bowie song, Let's Dance. Yeah. At the end, you kind of get a guitar solo. It's like, oh, wait, that sounds so Stevie. And it is. Yeah. Uh, very similar here. John Popper um, has a solo, and, and yeah, you're right, you hear him throughout. And you're just like, man, that is such a John Popper. They were obviously stealing that sound. Like, no, no, it's definitely John Popper. Yeah. yeah. his, no one does harmony. He, he articulates notes more yes. than anyone. I was gonna, I was just going to say, a lot of harmonica players, you're going to get this sort of raspy, dirty sound. Mm-hmm. And that's great. I yeah. love that style. Popper goes the complete other way. He want he I don't know if he wants it this way, but he seems to come off as clean as possible yeah. where he wants you to hear every single note. Yeah, it, it's it's impressive because I mean, yeah, exactly. When you're like thinking it's the difference between strumming a chord on a guitar and picking a singular note and yeah. he is like picking everything as opposed yeah. to brum 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 yeah. like and it's <sighs> and you can hear every note. <laughs> you can't. It's so cool. So, and we talked a lot about that. You know, if you guys haven't listened to our uh, Blues Traveler Four uh, breakdown, we we gush all about that on there as well. Oh yeah, and it's a great album too. Absolutely. For me, I did watch the music video okay. on this one. It's had a weird '90s music video. There was some like stop motiony stuff. You know, not quite Sledgehammer level, but yeah, uh, they were definitely diving into that and cutting back and forth between. Dave Matthews doing some like, you know, kind of concert-esque kind of style. It's always, he always looks the same in every one of his music videos. He always looks the same uh, all the time. Yeah, (laughs) true. He's just kind of got eyes closed and he's singing with an acoustic guitar. He looks like he's uh, mostly high. Yeah. All the time. And probably was, yes. But it had some some funky, like, you know, like I said, the stop motion aspects, two bits of it. Uh, It was actually directed by David Hogan, who directed the Blues Traveler Hook uh, music video, which I'm a big fan of. Yeah. And he did some Gin Blossoms stuff as well as multiple Sheryl Crow stuff in like those early 90s when oh, she was getting He was big. all over the 90s. Yep. And then he directed the movie Barbed Wire or Barbed Wire with uh, Pamela Anderson. <laughs> so, Wasn't she was supposed to be like some sort of like secret agent or assassin? Or yeah, some, it was some something like or, that. Yeah. I don't know. I, don't, I can't remember. Yeah. I never watched it. I'm not going to Yeah, I never did either. I had no interest. So I had already seen Playboy yep. at that point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's no reason. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else to say. I definitely still listen to this song now. It's one of my favorite ones that come up on the album. And I think I just, I like the groove that happens here. Yeah, it's got a good groove. Uh, I would say for the Dave Matthews singles, if I had to pull out like all of my, all my favorite Dave Matthews songs, it'd be probably on like the middle to lower end of all my favorite ones. But like on this album, it is still very good. Okay. All right, let's move on to the next song, which is called Satellite. Satellite strong from the moon And the world your balloon Keeping time for the mother station I gotta tell you, I don't mind this song, uh-huh. but it got played so much when I was younger <laughs> that I got fucking sick of it. Oh man, I was just about to say this is probably my favorite song on the album. <laughs> <laughs> 
Also, uh, when I was in college, I was in a steel drum band, and we actually played a version of this. Uh, I can bet that that uh, that, op- that guitar didn't, didn't, didn't. Yeah. you could do. You did it on steel drums. Yeah, and that's exactly why uh, my professor arranged it. He's like, "Oh, this would this would sound good on on steel drums." So, yeah. uh, I I think it's a very good song. I don't. I think I think because of how sick I got of it when I was younger, I don't listen to it as much anymore. Maybe, and if you have that personal aspect of playing it in steel band and it just getting a little bit more annoying because of it, um, yeah, I, I just it's a gorgeous song though. Mm-hmm. It's very pretty. It slows some things down a little bit, which you know we we talk about every one of these albums. We kind of like how flow kind of works, and I think they do a good job on this one where um, you're not getting the exact same tempo in every song. Yeah, and also it's in three instead of four. Mm-hmm. One and two and three and one and two yeah. and three and instead of in, in yeah. a normal four. So that does help break up the monotony. I do appreciate that part of the song where he decided, you know what, I'm going to take this little three, four lick and I'm going to make a song out of it instead of trying to force it into just what, you know, the general box of a four, four song. Yeah. Uh, apparently, like that, that lick that you said, and this happens, I think, with a lot of guitars, it actually kind of stemmed out from a finger exercise that he used to mm-hmm. do. And so that that was kind of the basis. And then he, and he built from it. Uh, very famously, "Sweet Child of Mine" yeah. was the same way. It stemmed out from a, an exercise that he was doing. Exactly. Uh, this is why, uh, kids, you need to practice your music exercises because you never know when they're going to turn into a song. Yeah, and make you millions of dollars <laughs> and your own. Uh, uh, I almost said Tom and Jerry. What's the ice cream? Ben and Jerry. Ben and Jerry's flavor. Oh yeah, Dave Matthews has one. Yeah, his own flavor. Nice. He, he went on. He went on a TV in an interview saying that it was best uh, to eat while you were high. <laughs> he is a proponent, man. That guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So satellite played plenty, as John said. It was uh, hit number fifty-five on the Billboard Hot One Hundred. Uh, it did have music video. I watched it. Eh, regular, whatever. Dave Matthews singing and some other stuff, kind of other storyline in there, which actually had Johnny Galecki from the um, Big Bang Theory and uh, Roseanne show. If you remember, if you yeah, know him. he probably wasn't doing much at the time. Though. No, not much. <laughs> I mean, really, it was literally him just kind of like being kind of weird in a trailer, watching a shit ton of TVs. I mean, one of those '90s strange things that you don't really know what the fuck was going on. But whatever. we kind of have to excuse some of those. 90s and even 80s uh yeah music videos yeah because i mean we got to a point where viewership we got smarter as viewers like we Mm -hmm. understand stuff and just like the stuff that doesn't make any sense or doesn't tell a story like those music videos don't do as well for me anymore because like i want to be i know yeah you're only on a three four minute thing here but like i still want to be go through a story whatever it is Uh, and a lot of them are just kind of a thing for a thing's sake. They're just yeah. weird for the weird sake or whatever it is. We, we've got to get this song on MTV somehow or yeah. VH1 and let's just put out a video. Yeah. But anyway, I think it's a just a gorgeous song and I can listen to it almost any at any point. So Okay. Let's move on to the next one, which is called Rhyme and Reason. This is definitely one of those I think underrated songs that mm. probably didn't you know didn't really get any airplay. Yeah. But for some reason, I really like this one. Yeah, there's a darker feel with it too, and mm-hmm. you, you like that kind of change. You know, it actually it starts off sounding pretty similar to a lot of the other ones that, that we had already heard. Yeah. Um, but then it kind of gets yeah he gets a little bit a little bit more aggressive, a little bit darker aspect. He puts to more it. rasp in his voice with this one, which gives us a nice change from kind of what we're hearing a little bit from the first ones. Especially when he sings softer, he has a very sort of not quite monotone because mm-hmm. he's clearly singing a melody, but he has the same like timbre throughout some of his songs, especially like on you know like satellite and stuff like that. But here he gets a little bit more aggressive. He gets yeah. a little bit into it more, and yeah, it does add to the kind of flavor of the song. Yeah, which uh, from what I kind of looked up, it's very possible that this song is about 
his addiction to heroin mm. or maybe just addiction in general. But yeah. there's definitely about something that's something that's constantly irking you. And, you, you know, it won't it, parts of the song he's talking about, you know, this it just won't end until you're gone, until you're six feet under. Um, so basically, like your 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 head won't leave your head alone until you're six feet under. Like so shit's just keeping coming at you and i and from what i saw it seems to be like addiction or that kind of thing so yeah um yeah it's pretty intense when you look at that aspect and you get that uh i'd say yeah emotional angry quality in his singing and i i like the change and this is you're right underrated is a good song yeah very it surprised me when i went back and i definitely remembered it it definitely hit a nostalgia and i was like oh yeah oh i remember this song oh man and then you kind of hit in the middle um i do like the little the lick at the beginning um, I like how they mixed it. They doubled the acoustic guitar, and uh, yeah, I really like his riffs. And mm-hmm. I'm gonna say it a lot because I I just like how he constructs his songs. Cool. Uh, all right, I guess let's move on to the next one, which is called "Typical Situation." Adam, we get a flute solo in yeah. this one. <laughs> Was that a pan flute or just a regular flute? No, it's flute. a regular okay. flute. Although I think it is, it's still um, Leroy. Okay, cool. Doing it. It's actually very common for woodwind players and even brass players to play multiple instruments. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's how you get paid in a gig. Yeah. Need a flute player? I can play that too. Yeah. Cla- I can play clarinet too. Makes sense. Yep. Um, I like typical situation. It does start out a little bit slower. Yeah. Um, it picks up a little bit, but it doesn't move uh, too fast. I think it's a good... Uh, song to come after rhyme and reason where we've had a little bit more grit yeah and it was it's going to slow us down just a little bit more yeah it's got the chiller chiller vibes especially early on but yeah it picked up um there's some positive aspects i hear about the song that i've kind of just hearing about it more than like the aggression from before Mm -hmm. uh, from the last song um i do think looking at the lyrics you mentioned the mumbling again this one i think in particular it's really kind of hard to understand what he's saying so i did have to look at the lyrics and i think there's a lot of kind of tongue-in-cheek criticizing uh some hypocrisies in society but that's really nothing i mean i don't i don't always go to dave matthews i almost never go to dave matthews for the message i go for a cool jam sound and um this is an enjoyable song i definitely enjoyed it definitely it's an enjoyable song that i enjoyed you go to dave matthews for the uh, enjoyable sound and the secondhand high it's, exactly it's still <laughs> of, just, of just being in the same general vicinity as yeah. the band <laughs> true Oh yeah, it was a single. Actually, they put this one out as a single. I do remember that. Yeah, it didn't um, didn't really chart though. So. Yeah, the the problem we're going to run into here is the farther into this we're going to go, we're going to notice that yet like the songs are different but still kind of similar in tone. I definitely noticed that. And as we mentioned before, this is the debut album, so mm-hmm. you know they're they're still exploring their sound, and ad, you know as they grew, they sonically are able to kind of add stuff. Actually, I noticed a huge change just between this album and Crash, which yeah. was their next one, yeah. where they they seem to put a lot more energy into a lot of their mm-hmm. songs on that one. Biggie baby. <laughs> they put uh, some so, biggie baby energy. So, someone out there, please turn that into a drinking game. <laughs> But don't don't mess with that. I'm not gonna mess with it. It's only you can only biggie the baby naturally, man. Okay, that's just how it goes. Can't force it. <laughs> never, never force a biggie baby. <laughs> Nobody puts biggie baby in the corner. How about uh, that? <laughs> lame, <laughs> lame. You know what that makes you, Adam? Hmm. A dancing Nancy. Twenty-three and so tired of life, such a shame to throw it all away. The
Okay, to be fair, that joke was forced. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is a song that I never gave really a chance mm-hmm. when I was younger. Um, I enjoy it. Again, it's kind of middle of the road on the album for me. Yeah, I'm about the same way. It's solid. It's moving. Uh, it's it's pretty fun, and it feels kind of upbeat and happy-ish. Um, there are some like lyric here that I wrote down: "Dark clouds maybe hanging on me sometimes, but I'll work it out." Just like, okay, cool, good yeah. for you. This is this is when he takes the token. He's feeling pretty good about <laughs> things right now. Feeling positive, not overly thinking. Uh, it's using uh, I think a soprano sax as opposed mm-hmm. to like the regular alto. Yeah, uh, for this one. And then it ends in kind of like a Spanish guitar at the end on this one. I remember it's kind of that was kind of different. It it ended a little weird. Yeah, uh, not that I hated it. No, it just seemed it just seemed kind of out of left field. Yes, because the song itself didn't feel like it was particularly influenced uh, right. by Spanish guitar. And then it's just like, oh, here's a Spanish guitar. It's just going to linger on that guitar playing for like thirty seconds or something. It's it's like maybe he had this little lick that he was messing with. I was like, what I can do? Well, I'll just put it at the end of that song. Yeah, you know, I've always I've often wondered. Because I've never, I don't know, I don't do this often. You'll hear a song where the band will start playing something, and then they kick into the song, but the sing, the song is in a different feel. Mm-hmm. Why did they put that beginning part there? Yeah, and that, that doesn't happen in this song, but I'm just kind of using that as an example. Yeah, I... Drugs. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Because I've never written something and I'm like, you know what this would do? This would make a good 30-second intro to a song that sounds nothing like it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Or the ending. Um, oh, God, what's, there's another song that, that drives me crazy that's like that. It's, uh, I think it's an, an ELO song. Mm. Mr. Blue Skies. Oh, you know that one? okay. Yeah, I do know that song. Um, the, the, there's a, the end changes feel a little bit to me like for no reason. Yeah, I don't know. But what you going to do? They make more money than me, so I really have no. Uh, they yeah. have out. They had successful albums out. Yes, they, right. yeah, they know something. All right, let's move on to the next song, which is called "Ants Marching." This is uh, this is a song that I fell in love with when I first got the album, and then when it became a single, I got sick of it because it was like this was my favorite song, and now everyone likes it. Yeah, yeah, and it definitely was popular. It uh, was yeah the fourth single hit number eighteen on the alt uh, alternative charts. This is the song I think they should have started the album with. I really like that intro. It just starts off with the the snare hit. Yeah, and then it goes to the dun. Dun, dun. I mean, it is maybe it's too energetic to start, but I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's too energetic yeah. to start. I, I think, I think this, this would have been a great album opener. I do, and I do like the sonic tease because you're getting this hit on a snare drum, and it's in, it's on two and four, mm-hmm. and you're hearing it, and you're thinking, oh, that's going to be one and three, and then when the band comes in on the what feels like the offbeat, you realize, oh no, the snare was hitting on two and four, yeah. like it should. Uh-huh. It should never be hit. I mean, you can hit a snare drum on one and three, and, and it has its place. But that when you're trying to play something funky, it's yeah. probably not. You know, nine times out of ten, it's not going to be the case. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely enjoy the song. You're right. This was a it's a very well known Dave Matthews song. Yeah. Um, very popular. Uh, apparently, he got the idea from this song. He was on safari in Africa, and his friend showed him a tree, and the tree only had one purpose. Uh, and that was to feed these ants. So all these different types of ants marched along the tree, feeding off of the sap. Uh, and then when other bugs tried to get on it, the ants would kill it. And that's <laughs> not really what the song is. The song's not really about that in particular, right. but it gave like that uh, inspired it. Um, but the song itself kind of being about, oh, yeah, we're living our lives like ants. We do the same thing every day without really thinking why or questioning it. We're just kind of, you know, just moving along. Yeah. And I believe Dave Matthews is actually from South Africa, isn't he? Yes, he is. That's what I thought. Yeah. I guess he may not have been in safari in South in Africa. <laughs> he might he have was just living. Like, he was just there. He was just hanging out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Visiting friends. Yeah. Um, this they do use the line uh, from the the album comes from this song. Mm. There was a line that said he remembers being small, playing under the table and dreaming. 
I remember those days, Adam. Do you remember those days? Oh, yeah. Just exactly. Playing under the table, just being fun, using your imagination before the shit of the real world dropped right on your head. No, God. Can you believe that when we were younger, we wanted nothing more than to finally be adults to do whatever we want, and now we want nothing more as adults to be kids again? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and was, not have any of the responsibility. I was having this conversation. I was in a hot tub with your brother-in-law, uh, <laughs> <laughs> literally just the other in night. In a hot tub. In a hot tub. Uh, and we were talking about his daughter, and in particular, he's like, she doesn't get it. Like, She wants nothing more. She's in college right now. Right. And she doesn't understand. All she wants to do is just go out and start her real life and, and whatnot. And I was, and we were just like, there is a reason so many people kind of look back fondly onto some of those college days and some of those, you know, very early days. Or even high schools. Or even high, exactly. It's like, those are some of the last times that you, you don't have the excessive responsibility, uh, you know, not to say you don't love, you know, your family and all that kind of stuff. There's right. greatness to that as well. But when you just need an escapism, you don't have to worry about shit back in that time, yeah. really. You know, you can just, you could have your fun and, and you know, your body didn't ache when you woke up and, and you didn't have to worry about, okay, when's my next check? So I got to make sure I pay my bills and all that stuff and living paycheck to paycheck. It's like, no, man, you just, you fucking did it. You were learning. You were, you know, trying new things. You're, you're, yeah. you're experiencing getting new friends, all this kind of stuff. And those were glory days. And that's kind of is the thing. And yeah, don't grow up, people. Just don't. <laughs> Yeah, I've tried not to grow up <laughs> as best I can. Uh, I also made a, kind of in a similar vein, I made a kind of pact with myself probably about five or six years ago that I was going to start just trying new things. Mm. Like anything, like even if it seemed like, oh, I'm too old to try that, I'm I'm still going to try it. Yeah, cool. So, uh, All right, well, let's move on to the next song, which is called Lover Lay Down. For knowing that snow makes a prize that I will wait for you I will wait for no one but you Oh, please, love me down Spend this time with me Together share this smile Love me down Spend this time with me Walk with me, walk with me This song's okay. Yeah, you know, I I like it, but I wouldn't say I love it. Yeah, it's it's fine. It was fine just listening through it. Like if it was in the background of something, I wouldn't mm-hmm. mind it. But like having to actively listen to it after a while, I'm like, okay, I get it. Like I I get what you're doing. I I don't need to hear this anymore. If I was in a relationship where me and the significant other were like really into Dave Matthews, I could see this one being a very kind of like you know romantic song because there's Lover Lay Down. There are yeah. romantic aspects and um all that kind of thing about relationships love in this song and so maybe the you know this could be like your song if you were like big dmb heads kind right of thing um other than that if you're a dmb acquaintance you know kind of <laughs> casual like, listener. casual listener like we are it's just kind of like okay uh, i will say the sax is beautiful though in this song it is and that adds to the romanticness yeah romanticness romanticness whatever sure so it's pretty it's pretty. It's pretty. I bet people fuck to it, uh, and that's about <laughs> it. Let us know if you did. Not in, then, not in, uh, yeah, not in then detail. Then send pics. Pictures, please. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> send pics to Adam. I don't, I don't need that. <laughs> Try new things, John. Come on. You just said. Uh, speaking of new things, Adam, let's move on to the next song, which is called Jimmy Thing. I like the way that this song starts because it sounds more traditional acoustic guitar mm-hmm. uh, style. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. So it feels like he's actually like kind of like picking chords and stuff like that as opposed to doing the riffs that he yeah. has done in some of the previous ones. Um, other than that, the song was fine. Yeah, I'm with you. Another middle of the road ish song. It's nothing special. It was put out as a single and I don't think it didn't chart either. Um, you know, I get some kind of, you know, 
Don't Worry, Be, Be Happy, not the song, but like kind of that's the vibe or some of the lyrics and kind of just been talking about like, you know, just be fun, be happy kind of thing. Okay. I have no idea. And I didn't even see in the lyrics, like if it had anything to do with Jimi Hendrix, but you don't spell Jimmy J-I-M-I and not think of Jimi Hendrix. That's immediately what I went to. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't even bother because I couldn't really understand what he was saying. <laughs> it does make it tough. Other than the one time he says Jimmy thing. Yeah, he says Jimmy. And I, to me, I, I don't know. You, you spell it that way, it's it's Hendrix. But like, there were no massive allusions to Jimi Hendrix in here. Uh, so I don't know if you all know better than us. Besides that, the song was fine. It was nothing special. And I'm okay moving on. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, then I guess we'll move on to the next song, which is called Warehouse. actually really like this song yeah it's it's good and um it's actually funny enough this was not a single or anything but it's actually become pretty popular from what i read yeah and their their live sets yeah um i i think what i like about it is it has a very sort of mysterious beginning uh very kind of layered i like the way that it builds kind of intensity um i like the lick that the rest of the band comes into it's kind mm-hmm. of offbeat hits bump bump bum bada and you kind of it's got this kind of groove that really makes you kind of bob your head and it's weird because he 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 leads you in with that and then he kind of backs off a little bit with a kind of mm-hmm. a more jazzy sound and then he comes back to this um it's a long song it's the longest one on the album just over 7 minutes long yeah listening to it it did feel like the longest on the album uh-huh. i was kind of ready for a a, a change at partway through it it sounds like a jam band song yeah and that's probably why it fits so well in their live set yeah uh i think they had like some reverb on his vocals at some point or something like that so there's like either some some of those aspects that they changed up a little bit i thought i heard like a cowbell at one point too yeah um but yeah like it's fine it's a fine song it's a good song (laughs) it's a good song but yes i would say by the end of the seven minutes i was definitely ready to move on yeah i think they they hit everything you needed to hear at the beginning and then they just kind of Kept it going, which mm-hmm. I'm sure spawned from probably their live renditions yeah. of the the song. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, when I was in high school, I had a band and we had a, an original song that kind of became our most popular one amongst the people who came to see us. And we had two versions. What we call we called it our radio version and the live version, uh-huh. um, which was we added a completely unnecessary like ten minute. <laughs> solo section at the very very end of it uh just for the hell of it yeah that sounds good just to give our guitar player something to do to shut him up there you go <laughs> i mean you see this is your is this your high school band is that you said yeah it's the band it sounds like a very school. high school kind of thing to do yeah just fuck it well and like as i've mentioned this before like everyone my whole band was was full of guys who listened to a lot of jam bands and classic rock and older stuff you know mm-hmm. things like you know, uh, Leonard Skinner, Freebird, with a giant yeah. solo section at the end and stuff like that. They're like, we can have one, too. <laughs> no, we couldn't. <laughs> I mean, you could, but eventually you're just going to turn it off. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's go on to the next song, which is called Pay for What You Get. Work ourselves, fingers to the bone. Suck the marrow, drain my soul. Pay your dues and your debts Pay your respects Everybody tells you you pay for what you get You pay for what you get I do like the kind of bluesier aspects. Very reminds me very much of uh, Eric Clapton's. Yes. Oh my god, um, I was about to say the same thing. The acoustic version of Layla. Yeah. Yep. I, I I had the 
the exact same note of like you know definitely Clapton-y uh, at the beginning yeah. particularly and then I kind of yeah get those bluesiest jazz uh, integrations as well but um, yeah I definitely had those feelings it slows things down yeah. uh, a good bit I mean this is kind of quote unquote the end of the album yeah this one right here is uh, kind of but then it 90s all over us at the end of this <laughs> at the end of it uh, the song itself when you're kind of looking at the lyrics about uh, could be about and from what I saw potentially was told about was about a man whose wife was uh, had cancer and was dying so everybody would just kept asking about how she's doing how she's doing but the guy himself was kind of like just not doing well mm-hmm. and so but nobody was checking on him and so yeah it was one of those things people kind of forget about that mm-hmm. this is actually and I don't know if this is going to be a big deal but this is actually a song on here where I kind of feel like the saxophone hurt Oh, okay. I really didn't need the kind of jazzy. I wish they had stuck with the sort of bluesier mm-hmm. feel throughout most of the song. It does. It does start very Clapton and blues, and then it, then it kind of transitioned to a more jazz once the sax kind of comes in. So, okay, interesting. So, and, uh, yeah, I, to me, this was a lower end song. Um, yeah, I didn't dislike it, but it's not one I'm gonna be listening to. It's not making my overall Dave Matthews playlist. Yeah. All right, and I cannot remember on the CD if the next song actually was listed or not? It was, uh, no, it was not listed. Okay. It was a hidden track. It was. Uh, what I do remember about this, so the hidden track is called Number 34. And I don't think that those smug sons of bitches thought that they were being funny. <laughs> yeah. But what they did was, between tracks 11 and 34, they put a bunch of one second long silent tracks. So your counter on your CD player would just keep counting every second until it got to 34, and then it would play the sort of quote-unquote hidden track, uh, just simply titled number 34. And this is just kind of a hidden, smooth jazz instrumental. Yeah, it really is. I mean, yeah, there's no no lyrics or anything to it, but I do really like it. Um, it is mm-hmm. very pretty. It's pretty, um, and it it still sounds like the band, mm-hmm. but it also sounds like elevator music to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I get those vibes. Uh, but yeah, it's it's enjoyable. I I saw or I read that it was apparently inspired by and written for Miguel Valdez, who's a percussionist who collaborated with the band back in 1992. Okay, uh, and he died of hepatitis in 1993. Oh, so okay. Someone that so it's kind of almost like you know yeah exactly it's an inspired by him and and kind of a thing for him. Then so. I wonder if the number 34 has some sort of significant meaning there. Uh, I didn't notice that, but okay. it's possible. Yeah, it might just be something that only the band knows. And so, because I mean, who knows why they needed to do that. I did appreciate the fact that they put the hidden track on its own track. Yeah. So like. So when you, when you made the transfer. Well, yeah, when you made the transfer, you just cut out all the unnecessary (laughs) tracks. Collect 22 tracks and hit delete. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So one thing that I did also see about this song is it's in a 27-8 time signature. Just fucking high jazz musicians. Which is basically yeah, three or three cycles of nine eight is kind of okay. or what, however they wanted to yeah. call it. Yeah. Um and it changes to six eight and then eleven eight during the chorus. And then back to this three cycles of nine eight. That is whatever. that is that's just like musicians like <laughs> trying to like make something for other musicians. Yeah, true. So no, it's it's yeah, it's uh something to relax to, but you know, again, not another standout. Right. All right. And that brings us to the end of the album. Adam, why don't you give us your final thoughts? It's been a long time since I've listened to, listened to an entire Dave Matthews band album. Um, I very much enjoyed revisiting the sound. I don't get a lot of Dave Matthews in my life, um, particularly because anytime Dave Matthews comes on the radio uh, or if it happens to play it from a playlist, my wife abhors Dave Matthews <laughs> and I don't know exactly why or what that ha- I think she just does not like his style does not like his voice whatever it is and so if I'm ever like you know in the car 
like listening in the car is probably one of the more times I'm listening to music. Mm-hmm. And so if she's with me, I you know can't do Dave Matthews because she's just like turn that shit off. And I'm just like, okay, so I don't always get too much. So it was, it was enjoyable to go back to it. Um, I enjoyed the flow, you know, def, definitely. De- I always say definitely. I say definitely so fucking much. My God, I am definitely Rain Man. Definitely Rain Man. Uh, okay, <laughs> so the the flow is good between uh, tempo, you know, variety throughout the songs. I always appreciate appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's it's a really good album. I don't think it's gonna be considered my favorite Dave Matthews album. I would need to listen to like the next couple again because those are the ones that I think were mm-hmm. a little bit bigger and ones that I I just remember them more. But this was solid, and I'm excited. I'm glad that we went back and checked it out. Yeah, uh, it's definitely one I was nostalgic for. Um, I kind of I listened to this one. I listened to the next one, Crash, and then I kind of fell off the wagon after that, mm-hmm. um, which is funny because he only got bigger. Uh, I remember being in college, and there was a Dave Matthews cover band that played and toured, and they got so big that they ended up having to play pay royalties to the actual band because they were making so much money oh, wow. off of playing their songs, <laughs> um, which was no big deal because he said. You know they were making the good money. Yeah. Um. I had a friend who opened for them anytime they were Athens, and he said he said yeah they they were fine. There cool. were a bunch of college dropouts and just like all right we're gonna play Dave Matthews songs. Nice. And that lasted as long as it lasted, and then it then it didn't. Um. I was happy to go back to this. I was uh I was happy to revisit some of these songs. Um. I do listen to this album on occasion, mostly on all the way through, but often I just kind of pick and choose the ones that I really really like. But uh, it was really nice to be able to go back and, and kind of relive the days of when I had to listen to the whole thing uh, in the kind of in the background of my life. And it uh, brings back a lot of good memories. Cool. And that was our review of Under the Table and Dreaming by the Dave Matthews Band. Please join us next time as Adam and I go back down under to discuss the 1988 film Young Einstein talk about the animated TV show Tasmania, and recast Young Einstein using actors of today. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com, and if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood, or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, hey, Tim. Dean. Uh, This isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then... Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking back.